Hi, you guys, and welcome to TrailerCast. Today's conversation is going to be fire. Um, we ended up just like jumping right in, and so you're going to like kind of entering into the conversation as it's already rolling. Um, a friend of mine who reached out, and this is what she wrote in, hoping we would go over. We've chatted a bit over email, but I struggle a lot with money and worthiness. It has started to really affect my new business, and I'm ashamed about a lot of my habits that I want to change. I'm a photographer based in Charlotte, North Carolina, daughter of divorced but civil parents, one alcoholic, and one overprotective anxious one. My connection to others is the most important thing in the world to me, and I like to think of empathy as my superpower. That's where we started. I can't wait for you to hear where we go. your podcast is that something yeah start there (laughs) um well it's not very notable right now it's called insight and empathy um and i just have other creatives on and we have conversations about how to lead with empathy and also be in a really uh saturated market oh my gosh of course (laughs) i'm obsessed because that is so applicable to so many markets that i think i mean like as a therapist i'm like oh my gosh talking about saturated there's like a therapist for like every human here in orange county Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, oh. I guess. So I went into college as a psych major, which is why I'm so <laughs> inspired by you, because I think it's like it's always been like such a taboo thing, which I think contributed to me dropping that major, mm-hmm. if I'm being mm-hmm. honest, yeah. um, which I'm grateful I did because it led me to photography and my business. And that is like the light of my life. So yeah. I, I'm grateful for all the like twists and turns of, of the universe and of my journey. But I think um, that, you know, whatever has led me here, I'm, I'm super grateful for, but I always kind of yeah. think about that and how I can weave psychology into working with my class yeah. and, yeah. you know, serving people in the best way possible. So love it kind of always shows up, but yeah. yeah. Well, there's such a parallel between like photography being like the study of people and psychology being the study of people. Right. You know, like it's like what we see and what we don't see. So it's such a cool parallel. Yeah, I never thought about that, Elise. That's a cool point because it really is like capturing the whole, or at least how I try to present my photography is like capturing the yeah. whole person in an authentic yeah. way that's that's not posed, that's not staged, that really captures a story. And so that that's a it's a cool parallel. You're right. Yeah. So you're doing it anyway, right? And I think. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the hope, I guess. Um, but yeah, yeah, the podcast is good. I definitely think I accidentally or not so accidentally took on way too much in my first year of business. Um, Mm. I have only been an LLC technically for a year. Um, I've been photographing for about seven years, just as a side passion and something that I always loved, but um, turned it into a full-time business when I left my job in Baltimore about, uh, actually today is my one year business anniversary. Congratulations. Thanks. That's massive. I I love that. Thanks. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely an interesting journey. It's something that's been on my heart, I think probably my whole life before I even Mm -hmm. uh, knew what to do with it. Uh, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's just exciting, but I think the podcast may have come a little bit too early and now I'm just kind of trying to take a step back and like really serve my clients first and then, and then like attack that. Totally. That's pacing, right? And that's part of what we learn in the early stages of businesses. I didn't realize how much was too much until I was underwater. <laughs> and yep. I was like, that's too much. Until I really needed like 18 floaty <laughs> devices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's no shame in the learning. That's like the only way to do it. Yeah. I think I carry a lot of that with me just because there's this sense of like, I need, I, and I said this out loud to my boyfriend the other day and it sounded crazy when I said it out loud, <laughs> and, uh, but it didn't make me not think it, which is even more wild. So I was like, who, I know that I'm trying to prove that I can do it. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, I don't know why, like no one, like I've got very supportive family and friends. I, I mean, you know, with the, of course, you know, there's always that like, 
hesitation when you decide to leave the corporate world and people hesitating like are you sure you want to leave that that job and all that you know fun stuff but for the most part I, I don't know but there's always been a tinge of that and we can get into that later if you want but yeah I do I do want I I um I also, I love that there's a kind of universal moment we do have when it's like, okay, I said it out loud and like, that sounds so crazy. And that's like why we want to get those things outside of ourselves because it's like, man, we can feast on crazy. You know, I can like make a meal of that and be like, I'm just, I'm in here with all my crazy thoughts. And it does help to hear it out loud and be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm curious. What is your recommendation for people like that, that struggle with this? Like, I know you've talked on the podcast before about mm-hmm. negative self-talk and kind of mm-hmm. these like stories that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. I know I'm a huge Brene Brown fan and yes. I imagine that you are too, yeah, but love her. Uh, that kind of stuff is, you know, I have the, the, um, the logic part of my brain and my heart says, says, look, you know, you have conquered things before much harder than, than starting a business. Why are mm-hmm. you, why is all this self-doubt, you know, like roadblocking you? And then I get frustrated by it. Right. So I'm like, you're this in Howard, you've started your own thing, you're doing this, you know, yeah. whatever. And then I get, I get really knocked down by it. And totally. so I, I'm kind of curious how, how you maybe combat that in your, your own life and business. Yes. That's a good question. Um, okay. So instinctually right off the cuff, the idea that you, you kind of made something more objective. So not as personal by talking about it as business, but when you were, you said like the crazy thing out loud about trying to prove yourself. Mm. And I think if we made it more personal as far as like, well, to whom, like, who do you see? Like if they saw you nail it, you would be like, see now, you know, mm. I've made it. And I think the more personal that we personally, we enter into that type of insight work, then the more we're like, Oh man, Oh, for sure. It's that. Yeah. That guy or that girl or that parent or that old boyfriend or that whatever. Yeah, that definitely uh, resonates in, in, in a lot of ways. I think there's, I wrote down a couple things just when I was rereading, you know, the email and, and feel free to cut any of this out if it doesn't work or flow. No, or we whatnot, don't, but, but we only <laughs> flow. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, but I, I wrote down a couple words just that sparked, I think, what came to mind as my, my brain, my creative brain kind of goes in a million directions was mm-hmm. the four words, money, forgiveness, purpose, and guilt. Um, mm. And I don't know why those came up, but they came up more than once. <laughs> and so I thought I should write them down. Uh, and I think... I kind of mentioned like this, this whole, like having a creative business has always been something that's been on my heart way longer than I think I knew uh, what entrepreneurship was or, or, or how much I really loved visual storytelling. I have, you know, known that a creative business has been on my heart longer than I think I knew what entrepreneurship was, but mm-hmm. those those key four words have been things that have shown up in my family life in, um, family addiction that I've struggled with coping with in uh, finding my place and my voice in, you know, being an only child and, and how I'm not this like youngest one in the family anymore. And that I actually am capable of uh, making six figures one day and that that's not a stupid thing to dream of. Oh, um, girl, get it. <laughs> that's not uh, dumb. That's not stupid. Um, dream, dream it out loud. Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's this like, and I think that's what comes back to this whole proving okay. uh, thing because I've got the most loving, every time I've entered a therapist's office, the first thing I've said is I love my parents, but. <laughs> that's so interesting. <laughs> every time. And each one has called me out on it. Each one. Right. Obviously. Cause you just gave them the, this delicious golden nugget, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so maybe it's, I love my parents and. And you are, I, I knew you would say that because that is what they have all said. <laughs> I love my parents and there's some old stuff I'm holding on to. Yes. And I never knew that, like, I'm getting chills talking about that because I never knew that was okay to have them co, like, have that mm-hmm. feeling coexist. <laughs> um, 
I think we can have that as adults. I don't know that we can have that as children because we live in such a binary place. And so our experiences in our family of origin and with our parents do go into categories of bad or good. Now, what happens if we do not evolve through that into the new story, then we always hold the things in bad or good. And so we're just stuck. Okay. So there's a step though between black and white and coexisting. And I think that's like the series of evolutionary work to allow the story to continue to evolve and to meet up with your adult self. Most people just never do that. Interesting. So like, and forgive me if this is a dumb question because there's no such thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, but I think, and I, I feel like I've done my fair share of, I've read the self-help. I've like, mm -hmm. I mean, I mm -hmm. definitely haven't done all of the work. I don't think anyone has. And if mm -hmm. you have, then like, <laughs> why are you even here? You know what I mean? Um, but I still, I, I grapple with it. Like, I really, really struggle with this idea of like, my logical brain knows where the problem areas are, the things that I, the things that keep me up at night, but I, I feel like I'm missing this like little piece of the puzzle that lets me let it go. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. This is a heart work situation that your heart is where the letting go happens. Um, your brain is for learning and your heart is for feeling. And so if you are thinking your way through these things, you will only become more intelligent on the, on these ideas, mm -hmm. but you will not have the emotional or transformational experience of I'm released from that. I am free from that. I'm, gosh, it just doesn't affect me anymore. That right. is that work. Yeah. And maybe that's the thing that I've never really dove into because like I can say all day, I read the self-help books. I listen to the podcast. Yeah. I'm inspired. Yeah. Like, and that's great yeah. for right. my emotional intelligence maybe, but Correct. is it really Correct. checking any of those boxes and me being like the list maker and the doer? Right. And right, the, I hear you in that. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> um, it's a step of the journey, right? And so, like, you think about it like any good hero's or heroine's journey. If they only ever sat in the library and read the story, it wouldn't be the same as going on the actual, like, journey that was terrifying and thrilling and excellent. You know, it's like you, you, you got to get out of the book sometimes. And I think that that's what happens when we fill our head with, especially, like, self-help. And here's why. It's nothing to do with your story. The self-help is about someone else's story. And the whole point of reclaiming your true self is your story. And that's the difference. So mm. it needs to be about your heroine's journey, not You're for else's. sure recording this, right? Because I need to like <laughs> listen to this in my sleep. Yeah. I, can I play your voice? When yeah. You <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And I don't really know where to go because I get what like everything you're saying makes complete sense. And I am willing, I, I say this out loud, I'm willing mm -hmm. to do the work consciously, maybe not subconsciously. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I don't really know where or how. Um, mm -hmm. And that is kind of my roadblock because as soon as I, as soon as I don't know the full picture about something, I, I'm like, I don't have all the information to succeed in the way that I expect of myself. Yes. And so I'm going to turn away and right 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 yeah is i hear that... you i totally hear you yes and i think the okay so there's a sense of maybe like learning fatigue where you learn yourself all the way up to a certain spot where you're like but i don't know how or where to go from here or what would be anything from the space so i guess i just go back to over here then right and so if you look at like the classic like story model or narrative model of a heroine's journey, there's a point where they meet a guide. Like this is like the, like where um, they meet Yoda, right? You, you know this, you know, you know, everyone knows this form of story. Okay. So the reason that we need a guide is because uh, the, the truth of the heroine's journey is that it is a shared journey. Mm. Okay. We do not go this alone. We, have to meet the person who invites us on that road trip and then we get in the car and we go and we're like what i cannot believe i did that but like wow i'm here now right and then and then you're going all of a sudden you're picking up somebody and you're someone's guide and, and it's like this ever-evolving form of like shared work and experience and i believe that that is how we grow 
in our like social conscience mm. and in the way in which we continue to expand, especially as women, because we are so connected. So if you find yourself at that precipice of, I don't know what's next, I feel like you're there. You've arrived. Excellent. Now it's time to like, let someone lead you for a stretch mm. of this road. Like you've come to the end of you. Yeah. And that just you saying those words ga gave me like a feeling of anxiety. Where in your body? Cause you in, touch your chest for the first time. Yes. Like I, I have really, um, I struggle with generalized anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. shortness of breath almost every day, which happens to be a horrible time to have that symptom because True. every day I think that I have the coronavirus. Yep. <laughs> which is hysterical <laughs> okay. and also not hysterical for someone hysterical. really suffering That's from real. anxiety, I but you have, you. To, you have to laugh. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I, I feel it. I feel it in my, in my chest, in my, in my core. And I, I don't, and I hear what you're saying, like completely that logic side of my brain is like, totally just let them lead. I'm trying to hire a virtual assistant right now. And I am killing myself trying to mm. pick someone mm -hmm. because I had a bad experience with, with a first one. And, and now mm -hmm. I'm just going in circles being like, you can't let this go. You can't trust someone else to care for your baby. You can't mm. um, let someone else lead because what if? And like, and I don't oh, want to be that person. Right. I don't. Okay. Yeah. Hiring a virtual assistant, you are still the leader. I know. So, okay. Right. So we don't give the power away to the person who's not the guide. That is very, very uh, different. Okay. Yeah. That's, that person works for you. So in, in that sense of hierarchy um you're her guide <laughs> right but okay but that and to totally and I, I i hear you and i agree with that but then that then turns the leaf over to me to be like you're not ready to be a leader <laughs> who are you to think there's two stories there's like yeah yeah it is you think stories. i'm crazy yet like there's no, I, I, no, I do not. I think you're a very, like, you're just in it. You're in the space right now of like, of the, of this battle between dark and evil. Like this is the part of it, right. Or light and light and dark, you know, good and evil of, um, like I need this virtual assistant and, but I need her just to do her damn job. I just need her to be able to like love this as much as I love it. False. She's never going to love it as much as you love it. Cause it's not her baby. Okay. The, the nanny and the babysitter never love the child as much as the mom because it's not their baby. Okay? And I hate to make that comparison. Cause you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's much bigger yeah, I than do. That to be a parent, but no, it's no, I this, hear that. yeah. Okay. It's this thing yeah. that is just like been attached to my soul and my being. And then uh, like, I, yeah. I don't know where to, I don't know where, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and I, that's, yeah. that, that's only the physical aspect that, of this concept that we're talking about has taken on a form of the virtual assistant in the past mm -hmm. week. You know what I mean? So, no, yeah. No, this is just metaphor. This is a time where, right, like where uh, you had to link, relinquish some control. And it's both. To relinquish control when you feel like you've done all the self-help work and there's still like you're still not sure what's next and then to relinquish control to engage a virtual assistant will expose how you feel about yourself as a leader mm. and it's the next thing that you need to do in regards to your business and its growth so it's it sounds like it might be like um a opening up or a letting go or letting in on both yeah. fronts there's like this tier the, the, in my mind, there's a tier system of, of uh, fear based around it. It's like, it's the, it's the relinquishing control. It's the giving up something you love maybe, but to create more room to do more of what you love and, and, and create more abundance is the yes. Um, and that is also something, you know, that I want to call into my, my life and, and my business. So I, I get the equation of do this to get this, but it, it will involve taking away something that I have become, that I've started to see as normal. And I think mm -hmm. we as humans hate change. And so I think I'm, I'm just freaking out a little bit to, to relinquish that control. Although I know it will provide what I'm seeking. It's just hard to uh, teach your brain that uh, to get, you can't get where you want to go by doing what you've been doing. And I, okay. I, I know that I just, it's hard to, I think, um, unstick yourself yeah mm -hmm. yeah so one quick thing i'm gonna say the we as humans hate change that is not true mm. <laughs> so i thrive on change i love change the more change the better i love all the change oh. i love new i love the idea i love the potential of change like so so just to bring that forward 
what happened to that belief for you mm. that we as humans hate change? And I'm telling you, girl, I like, I'm a, I love it. And you're a human and you are functioning phenomenal human and you love it. <laughs> wow. That uh, kind of just flipped my world. You know, when you realize something that you've been taught as a kid that not everyone <laughs> else has and you're like, wait, <laughs> that's not normal. <laughs> okay, not about normal. That's not what I know. Mm. Yeah. Um, my father hates hates change and his uh reasoning for why i am an anxious person is my mother's alcoholism that was mm. a very loaded sentence mm -hmm. uh, i hear you i can take that but i think in reality and from the work i've done i've found that actually my anxiety is 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 uh heavily derived from his inability to let me be uh, a self-sufficient, independent, Cree, uh, uh, you, yeah. And, and fail and mess up and be an adult. And, uh, and I think I've always carried a little bit of that. Like, um, I have a lot of like respect for my mother and, and of course what she's gone through. And I also have a lot of resentment, but there's also always going to be this part of me that wants to protect her. Yeah. Uh, and so him insinuating that constantly, but me knowing that it actually comes from him mm -hmm, is mm -hmm, this like mm -hmm. very strange internal battle that I don't know that I will ever be able to let go of. Uh, totally. Totally. Well, we don't know what you're able to do yet. So let's leave that last piece off the track, okay? Um, you are using some form of instinct to determine what's actually true. So your dad is offering you a story about it being your mom, and you instinctually are like, mm, uh, mm. no, it doesn't fit. So you do know how to trust what you know to be true or not. You have that barometer that says, that's not, that's not it. Yeah. And the more you're able to build a relationship with that part of you that is instinctual, I think the more you're going to be able to trust your decision-making. Mm. So that is huge. That's it, Elise. Like I am a horrible decision-maker and I think it's because I was never allowed to fail, to make any mistakes or, or let alone make the decision really at all because uh, I just wasn't. Everything was decided for me. Um, I didn't do anything wrong as a kid. I was this like, the only thing I did wrong was I wasn't good in school. Uh, and you're laughing because I know how insane that sounds. <laughs> but leaning into the education space as a photographer, it, it really uh, is something right. that's been on my heart that like, how could you ever educate? Anyway. Yes. Uh, right. That's why I'm like, well, yeah, of course. Like wh what would education and that system and that regimen have had for you as a creative? Like that's, that makes perfect sense to me. And then if you want to add on top of that, my father is a professor. Edu edu I knew, I knew yeah. you were going to say that. I'm like, he's an educator. I can feel it. I can just feel it. <laughs> and on top of that, he's owned his own private practice. Like, like family marriage and family therapy for years, which is just so awesome. Um, let's, let, let's just dip into some subconscious work for a second. Okay. The subconscious blockage or potentially not showing up in your whole self in the two arenas that your dad masters education. And then like in that therapeutic guide space, like apparently there's some stunting or something where you're like, I'm just not good there. I I'm just not. don't like, yeah. So you're not, or your dad hasn't allowed you to be, you're not, or you don't know who you are as yourself in that space. You only know who you are as your dad's daughter in that space. Yeah. And as the standards were set, like, yeah here and yeah. although the words coming out of his mouth were it's mm -hmm. okay no yeah i don't know how and like how do you ever explain to someone that will never understand that it's not only the words you say you don't right? you know it for yourself and that is enough is it yes 
your this is all parents all people it's if the person whatever they are if they can't hear you that's not on you to have to continue to explain you know it and that is enough you know that your dad says one thing and means another and you know the difference in your true self and in that barometer space it hurt. It almost like it gives me this like weird queasy feeling to say yes. that out loud because he is the most, uh, he, he loves me more than I've ever seen anything oh, love another person. And so I like have this weird guilt to even mm-hmm. share it because, and that yeah. comes back to the, like, I love my parents, but I love my dad and he doesn't always hear me. I love my dad and he doesn't see me as me. He sees me through his own lenses and that's been really hard. Really. Yeah. And I, I think maybe much, maybe it's maturity, maybe it's emotional growth, maybe it's something else. But I, I think that distinction of like, uh, I'm okay. Uh, like what you just said, I'm, I understand that they won't understand and I am okay with that and I can move mm-hmm. forward. I don't have, mm-hmm. I feel like I don't have that. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's do that for a second. I'm going to take you through one quick thing. There's, and maybe you, and you can use this again and run all these pieces of your story through this. Okay. And the very first box is how you feel about you, how you feel about dad, how you feel about mom, um, how you feel about authority, how you feel about how you should be, how you feel about good and bad and smart and pretty and thin and white and black and God and universe and every single thing. All our stories are born there. Okay. What, what happens is we continue to apply those things as truths, as black and white. We've kind of hit this a little bit already. Until we rub up against that in adolescence and in our own adulthood, where it's mm-hmm. like, it's like there's some conflict with that story. We choose to go back to the story of, of origin because we feel like to do so would be to be disloyal to the family system. And if, if, it's, if that's not true, that I'm not a bad student, then what else isn't true? And I can't do that. That's too much. So the whole thing will collapse. And so, you know what? No. I'm just not a good student. That was my dad's jam and not mine. And I'm going to maintain the story at whatever cost, even violate my own inner knowing in order to feel like I can still be a part of the family system. That is a typical route. I have to believe that my dad was, is the best. I have, I, I felt, I just, you know, this was part of my own work. I cannot see my mom is this. I ha- she has to stay like this in this role. When we come into that rub, that's the invitation to explore what else is possible here. Or how is that storyline serving me? Mm. Or how are the rules that I have made around this keeping me from growing? <laughs> mm. How do some of the core beliefs that were given to me in my childhood continue to give me confirmation bias so I can't grow? (laughs) We begin to see that not only was there the original experience of what happened, but all the rules that then you stack upon that in adolescence and adulthood to say, that is right, that's the way it is. Eventually, hopefully, there's enough disruption, which is just human experience, that says that can't all be true. Mm. Or that was true then, but it's not true for me now. And I really believe that that's the third way, the most compassionate way, which is that was true of me in third grade. But now as an adult woman who owns her own photography business, I'm a fucking phenomenal student. Mm. Look at what you've built you're a brilliant student. Look at what you've learned. Look at what you've put together. So if you really look at this in a black and white way, it's not true anymore that, you're, that you didn't do well in the education system. Mm. You do really well in the education system. People who, you couldn't build what you've built without that. So you're going to need to go through this and say, huh, Old truth, new truth. Old story, new story. Um, old experience, what's, what's been a real experience that's counter to that primary mm. narrative? Okay, and I, I love this. This is great, but how, why do we do this to ourselves? It feels very self-sabotaging to, to know that that's an old story and to keep replaying it in a way to prove it true. Does that, like, 
Yeah, it does make sense. Okay, but, it's, but there's also biological safety and belonging that uh. if I maintain the story of origin, then I have a place to belong. And we've needed that as like humans for survival. So I think instinctually we choose the original story because it's familiar. And in the root of familiar, familiar is family, right? And there's a blood loyalty to that. It's why, like, even in my own story, where I would lie to the police in order to protect my abusive parents. Like, that's bananas. Yes. That's not going to help someone survive. That's psycho. No, it's instinct. It's protect the family. Go to the clan, right? It's like, yeah, it locked down. So, so it's, it's whatever, right? That's actually inconsequential to as soon as we begin to examine those things, you don't have to analyze them. There is a difference. I can feel the disruption of my family of origin story beginning to shake. And instead of sitting in the shake, I'd like to analyze this as why do we do this as humans? Mm. (laughs) So temper yourself. If you go into this work and you find yourself wanting to go back into your brain and just analyze it, then we've slipped out of the work of experiencing the pain of what was true and is no longer true. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm having like a brain explosion. I feel like <laughs> uh, a, a good one. Uh, yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You said one sentence that I would love for you to say again, because if I was listening to this podcast, I would want to hear it again. You said, are, are, if I, if I maintain the old story then, and then I couldn't write quick enough, but it was a phenomenal sentence. Um, uh, if I maintain the old story, so, so, yeah, you, so but I maybe I can't like I you know we're gonna have to go back and listen to it together because it sometimes it just is happening in the moment. It was great. It, anyway, if if you listen to this back, phenomenal sentence. Well, Write it down. Put it on your face. I don't know. Like that was great. <laughs> um, yeah, I. Th- this makes a. It's weird for for someone to kind of like validate all the things that you've. Uh, considered to potentially be true, but didn't really yes. want to admit to yourself because yes. of that disruption. Yes. Um, and I think I have this kind of uh, uh, love for myself because of the love that I was able to receive from other people by staying in that story. Yes. And and that's kind of that's kind of scary to to uh, sure to is. admit because if I if I dr- let go of that. Uh, do I know how to love myself? And, right. and I don't really right. know what the answer to that is. And mm-hmm. uh, I think what scares me m- more than not loving myself is I know that if I can't or if I don't, has my service to others been inauthentic or unvalid? Mm. Mm. That's such a beautiful question. Okay. That's a beautiful question. let's start with the first part there is an exchange that happens so we stay in the old story because it's still feeding us in some way yes so that's like part of like the love that you're it's like what if like i don't know how to love myself yet right and it's like it will you i would love for everyone's primary source to be themselves i think that'd be really great we also have like a divine source you know we and however people have that to be in their own world like i'm super open to um we also have like some of us might have a partner or a pet um, or plants, you know, like there's nature and there are friends and therapists and people that are also sources for us, right? Because again, the heroine's journey is a shared journey. So we are not alone. I think that's part of the, the a myth is that if I let go of the old story, I'll have no story. And I'm like, no, like we just haven't even maybe even allowed ourselves to see what's already here because we've been looking back. Mm. Okay. So be careful that to remember that not everything you think are, is true, right? Like, yes. Everything I think is true. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So there's probably already something there. I know that because you already told me you have a partner and you have a business you love that's like a baby to you. So I'm already like, what? Like you already have things. Let's just let those things be larger than they are right now. Mm, okay. The second part is the, the fear of inauthenticity or of badness, I think. We are only responsible for what we know at the time. And this is the Maya Angelou quote, like when you know better than we do better. And when you didn't know better, we don't hold ourselves accountable to what we know now. That's rude. Mm. <laughs> like, 
like I think of when I think of my own self and people that I work with, I'm like, you don't get to talk to my friend that way. Like she didn't know better. Give that girl a break. Look where she's at now. She's mm. it's like, just, just give her a second. Okay. Mm. She figured it out and she's all right. Yeah. So, so that's kind of like, um, pish posh, you know, I'm kind of like, well, okay. Like this, let's, we'll just clear that one out real quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, it, it, we're rattling the cage. Yeah. And these conversations are different than therapy in that way. We don't typically say, let's jolt that motherfucker. Right. We're like, no, it's like, let's like, maybe like keep her down I'm in that yeah. pot. Yeah. But yeah. Part, while you're digesting, I will tell you part of what I think is this. Sometimes when change comes so slow, we can miss it mm. that it's so subtle. We don't always know that it's happening. And conversations like this are a sucker punch right to the gut. You know, it's like, dude, what? Yeah. And, and there's, there's just another, that's just another way to have, have impact or to have something shift. So we can have both. I just, I think it's, there's something to be said for a, an awakening of the big wake up. Yes. Yes. Especially when it's been kind of like harboring this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. weird dead garden in yeah. this like strange place of, yeah. And, and I, I guess I, I knew that at some point it, it would come out. And, and I think this is almost like just, a small tip of it, but yeah. uh, I, I guess I kind of was just waiting for that moment to uh, hopefully draw out the, um, yeah. the the naive nature that I was living in, you know, of not dealing and 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 not recognizing. Yeah. Not naive. It's how we grow. It's what was. Yeah, I think with with all the change in my life recently, and uh, you know, moving to a new state, uh, starting a business, moving in with a partner, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be- becoming this this person that I don't really recognize, and not in a negative way, um, but in actually something that I think I'm 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 quite proud of, or that I'm working to be quite proud of. It's kind of disrupted, like we were talking about this story <laughs> that I've been been told and that I've actually fed myself. I am responsible for that. Like I have taken on yeah. those stories and I fully am aware of that and admit that. And although it like kind of hurts my heart to say it, I uh, I feel like this like rebirth happening and I'm, yes. I'm cool with that. I just, I think I'm still a bit change averse that there's this clash mm-hmm. of I, I, I want to grow into this human and this woman that I am I'm de- uh, craving to be proud of. Uh, but then there's also this like fear of, of change and of leaving that, that family unit, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I don't really like conflicting feelings. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So if you don't like the confliction, the conflict, then you've had the, the, the other old feeling for a long time. What if you just had like the positive feeling? What if? How cool. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. if you just were proud of yourself and the woman you are and the woman who signed up for this crazy conversation and is like, okay, let's do it. That's a rad woman. I mean, I, I think I get, I get into this space where I'm scared of, uh, oh my gosh, I don't know how much time we have or if I should really go here, but, uh, uh, there's um sorry words are hard Go, um, girl. Yeah. I had a friend in college who basically uh on graduation day took everything that I thought to be true about myself and ripped it apart um and uh things like um the way you care about other people the selflessness that you hold the kindness that you have the empathy, like the things that I really uh, kind of base my self-worth on and just kind of took those away. Not that she had the authority, but it, we were so connected. We were friends for four years. We lived together. Um, And I think I am really concerned with saying that I am proud of myself and that I have done well for fear of coming across narcissistic, for fear of coming across of all those things that she deemed me as. 
yes and i i wish i all i want is to let that go because i know it doesn't Mm -hmm. serve me anymore Mm -hmm. or at Mm -hmm. all (laughs) ever um but for some reason i i really hold on to that i think about it yes yes Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay let's let's look at that okay because this is um true it should um, be trivial like this shouldn't it, it it's it's it, it feels like a drop feels like a drop it's just a friend and but i, I don't what? know why what what don't minimize that shit are you kidding me what do you mean it should be trivial that's just character defamation she blew up your heart yeah and i'm sure i did things to hurt her too and i'm i am partially responsible i imagine for for the the hurt that i gave to her but there's a uh uh, yeah i guess i I, i'm still struggling with validating it (laughs) thank you yeah there's a sense here where like for one this is a primary wound okay so we have our family of origin and we also have these primary wounds that happen outside of our childhood and so this is an org like a, a point of origin it was right there it was that time and space you know it graduation day and this just didn't see it coming from left field betrayal moment and when we feel pain we do want to either minimize it justify it protect it or absorb ourselves in it saying that it hadn't been because of something i did right Mm -hmm. so my guess is there's a lot of old scripts in there for you if you look at this problem and the way you deal with this you might deal with a lot of other things like this yeah i do okay so this is a really a great opportunity for people even listening. The way we deal with one thing is the way we deal with most things, okay? Yeah. The way I blame myself for, for things like this, I probably take over responsibility for a lot of things in my life. Yes. That was painful and I don't, it doesn't matter. I don't believe it was justified, I, but I, the fact that it was said is still hurtful. And it was not in a way that you could have actually received it and grown. So then right. it's just a, an attack. And at that point, it's like, are you for real? That's not how women are. We need to be for each other. So if you see someone slip showing, you like help a sister out. You don't show everybody else and point and laugh. So. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, it's really grown with me. And I kind of hate to say that because it's something that I really so desperately want to let go of because I see it uh, surface and show it's like ugly ass head in my other friendships. Um, and I, I hate that. I don't want to be the person that's always worried that someone's mad at me. I don't want to be the person. So that's that, how you know it's unresolved. Yeah. So I guess. So then you would say that was. Sorry. Okay, so let me, I'll tell you another like tip on that is like, we need to draw a line in time. So that was then, and this is now. My guess from talking to you and even hearing you talk about your friends and friend and partner is that you've allowed that wound to permeate the boundary of time. And so now instead Mm. of being stuck there on graduation day, it is now been allowed to live in your relationships in present time. And so what we want to do is draw a circle around that and say, you know what, that was then on that day. And that had a lot to do with a lot of things that were going on. Um, So is it true that you have grown since you were in college? Yeah. (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) I'm that I am sure of. Yes. Okay. Okay. So is it possible that what happened on that day doesn't hold as much water as it maybe as you think it does for you today? Um, yes. Uh, but I think that there's part of me that's holding on to it for fear that like, mm-hmm. what if, what if <laughs> all she said is true? What if that is who, who I, I am? And maybe, maybe not to draw full circle, but maybe that's part of the proving thing. Mm, I owe a hundred. I mean, when you brought her up, I'm like, oh, this girl is the girl you see when you think about proving. I'm like, I see her in your audience. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I beg to myself and I, I crave for this, these shackles of like proving that I am not this thing of care, characteristics that I actually pride myself in, um, that I am not the opposite. Uh, okay yeah okay so let's let's pause for a second is is this um 
Okay, let's, I'm gonna, I want you to listen to this for a second. I, there is something about us fearing the worst things about ourselves to be true. Like there is a big fear that surrounds that that's a pretty common like fear, okay? I have my own story in this, like most of us do. And I used to live in a fear response to the words that were spoken to me, afraid that I would be exposed, that that was going to be the truth and mm. that I wouldn't, and that I didn't even know it. And it was just terrifying. That's how I used to live. Now I realize that I can accept part of those words as a gift as I lean into them. And I mm. think, okay, so the words that were spoken to me were, you know, if they really knew who you were, in this case, then they never would have voted for you. This is about being the homecoming queen in high school. Okay. High school. My wound goes back to high school. Okay. If they really knew who you were. And so there's always been a fear that like, apparently there's some big, deep, dark, black, awful thing inside of me. And if people ever saw that they would run in fear. So I lived in fear of that. Shame. And now, right. I go in and I'm like, all right, well, then let's see what's in there. And my work is to slay the dragon of when I look in, I'm like, okay, ladies, let's look in there. What do you see? What do you know? What do you believe? Who has been let into your heart and didn't run away screaming in horror? Like, you know what? I know that those things aren't true and they're an opportunity for me to continue to push into my true self. So there's a, a flip whatever she said to you go in go in to that wound and find out what's in that drawer is that true yeah and my my deepest you know like you said my deepest fears and hopes are, are is that it is not true um and the act i guess of hearing it out loud is, is what really crippled mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. um and I think that is going to be the work I have to do. Let go of, of, of this thing that I've like almost like latched on to my identity. Treasured. Yes. Yeah. 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 And we can treasure things, hard things in the same way we can treasure positive things. We'll say, but we can treasure it and hold it and, and, you know, and let it fester like the ring. You know what I'm saying? Like, why? I think that fear is easier to bind ourselves to like the worst it leaves a lasting, more permanent thing than some of the good. But I, I think if I want to really reframe that, and I do, it's like it gives us something to struggle against. It gives us something to be better than. It gives us something to say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going that way. Yeah, except for when you're so afraid of that polar opposite that you don't let yourself uh, uh, experience the wins or have care for yourself because you're afraid of being a selfish person. <laughs> I, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So here's going to be a homework assignment for you on, <laughs> on one column. It's like a T column, right? You can write down all those old messages and words. So selfish, you know, whatever, all the things like you lacked empathy, the things that, that you have been spoken to you from your friend, family of origin messages you picked up, maybe they weren't spoken, but you experienced them as like, Oh, you know, like that, that wasn't right. I didn't do that yeah. the right way. You can put that there before you do anything. I want you to pay attention to your feelings in that because I don't want this to be an intellectual exercise. You don't need more intellectual exercises. Okay. Notice how old you were. Notice where you feel connected to that word or not. Mm. Notice if you feel emotional when you think about those words. Um, notice if other memories come up around that. Notice if you actually still believe that. Note, you know, notice your response and your right now self to those words. You might also think about like how percentage wise out of a hundred, how much do you believe them to be true? So I 80, 120%, you might, that might help you distinguish how much of a hold those things actually have on you. Okay. Yeah. And then you see where you're trying to turn the dial down to of like, man, I believe that at 95%. So I really need to shift that knob. Yeah. The other side of that column is going to be like, is, is this evidence finding is, so if it's lack empathy, like, do I lack empathy? What relationships do I have that I can look at and really know about beyond a shadow of a doubt where I'm like, I really don't lack empathy. That's my fear. It's not what's real. Mm. Okay. That's the wound. It's not what's true. That's what she said. That's not who I am. 
Okay. And I think, uh, and these are two very separate uh, wounds, so they're, it's kind of mind-blowing for me to assess them in one scenario in my body. But what came up for me when you just said that was that I really take to heart what people say as truth, as reality, because I think kind of going back to that, that, uh, past journey with my parents, that things were really decided for me that Mm -hmm. I, uh, I didn't really have much of a voice because I wasn't allowed to mess up. I wasn't Mm -hmm. allowed to fail. Mm -hmm. And so when those words came out of the mouth of someone that I loved, I took them as, uh, this is, this is truth. Right. And, right. um, I think that if I was able, if it was someone on the street, that was like yeah, a crazy exactly. person yeah. talking yeah. to their it's suitcase, like, I'd be like, no biggie. No gay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that is kind of what I have attached to my, my heart and my worth that I think is what's making it so tricky for me to, uh, kind of walk away yes. from. Okay. So, the person who said that to me was my mother. <laughs> okay. My own wound was my own mom, if they really knew you. So I need you to like know that like, it's not from a place of like, this work is easy. It's very painful, especially when it comes from a person who you think knows you. Right. Okay? The growth is that I know me more than she knows me. Mm. Okay. You know you more than your friend knows you. She can't know you. She's just observing what she sees through her own wounding and lens. Uh, okay. And there's nothing to prove, right? Like, I guess, and me saying this is, you is go. acknowledging, there you go. right? Like, not that I, there you go. I'm not sure if I'm uh, It's actually, where you begin. You might yeah. not believe it yet, but it's how it becomes a belief because you realized it just now. You're like, whoa. So I guess there is nothing to prove to her if it's really about me seeing me for me, huh? Yeah. And that eclipses what she said and what she could possibly see. Yeah, and I guess that acknowledgement actually has a lot of power on that the falsity of of those words. I think that is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. More mental processing. This conversation should continue to be unpacked and. It's helpful when we have community around that. Like, I really believe in the communal, like, you need a a soundboard or someone to be like, oh, my gosh, right? Because as we're pulling on these things together, it's like, oh, my gosh. Okay, great, right? So you can take that exercise, whatever, and do word for word, memory for memory. Like, you can unpack some of those things, but there's also going to be power in sharing that with a trusted other. So Mm. whether that's your friend that we already talked about, whether that's your partner, whether that's in the mirror in front of yourself to say, like, this is what I believe now. This is who I see now. Um, That's where it goes beyond learning and into experience and practice is Mm. when you're able to declare that in front of safe other. So... Yeah, that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I, 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 uh, I, I see that potential, and I—that's um, something that I like desire to live into. I just, I think, yeah, like talking about it is is definitely the first step. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate yes. that opportunity. So you might feel worked after this, and like, what just happened, right? You might feel so. Just give yourself a lot of room. You might want to go for a walk. You might want to be in your head. You might want to, you might need to be in your body. Just, just know that when we pull on these strings, it opens it up. And so you don't have to be afraid. You have, you know so much and now it's learning to trust what you know. Okay. Okay. I don't really think I have words for it at the moment, but really transformational. Uh, so I appreciate that. You're very, very welcome. I'm honored to like hop in the arena with you. It is like, it's where powerful women are. And I, I see you and I'm like, yeah, yeah. The only way this conversation could exist is you showed up in your power. So that's, mm-hmm. that's what, that's what you feel is that shared sense of like, yes, that was awesome. Yeah. I don't, this is some, this is really, uh, Although I've done therapy, this is really uncharted territory for me, and mm-hmm. and it's nice to have someone on the other end of it that's so uh, welcoming and mm. you know um, 
uh, seeing of, of you. So that's uh, really special about you. I appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. I'm like still like um, reeling after that conversation. Isn't it? Isn't it amazing to listen to all the different conversations and how they like are? <laughs> it's 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 why I think I love one of the main reasons I love this work so much because it is so different and that it's like it's like um you can have a hundred t-shirts and they're all gonna they could all be different and some are graphic and bold and plain and soft and some are like funny and techy or whatever right but like there's there there's the same shirt but they just are so different and i feel that very much as i'm watching the fabric of these trailer cast conversations kind of emerge and and today's was like fire i just kept on writing things with like exclamation points like boom 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 and I've said this before, but sometimes work like that is very fast. And you can see that she was like, technically like she was like warmed up and ready to go. Sometimes it's, it's a slower, um, meandering, sweet ebb and flow, right? There is not a wrong way for the work to be. There isn't a correct pace for it to be. It's what needs to happen for this conversation now. And so I think that that's crucial to maybe have as a disclaimer is that not every single time will it feel that way or be that intense, but today's conversation was intense and it was time. I mean, it was just like, it was like her like emotional baby needed to be born today. And so then it just was, um, the role of like doula in that is to make sure that the mom and baby are both okay. And that we don't go so fast that there's like danger and that we don't go so slow that the mom's like, move over sister. I'm having my baby. Um, and that's part of like of staying in the tension, staying in the work is making sure that things things go as they should, and sometimes that needs to happen fast. And today was fast. Um, I think if I were to title <laughs> this segment, maybe like holy disruption. You know, we can we can feel like there's so much fear and disruption, but the disruption is often an invitation to the holy, the bigger than the, the sacred and um, and the true self. So we hit a bunch of different archetypes and journeys and things today. And I just am honestly, I'm dying to hear what you think about this episode. Um, please come check out the community for TrailerCast and enter into these conversations with us. I'd really love to know how this specific episode impacted you. Um, things that I want to hit on for sure are the shared heroine's journey and being able to continue to point us back to when we need someone else on our journey. It is super normal. Um, it's really healthy and appropriate. It's a part of the journey to lean into what somebody else has. It's why I still go to therapy. It is why I still like, I need to have people farther along the journey than me. Otherwise, like, yo, I mean, I feel like that'd be so frightening to be the first one out there with like no one else to say like, Hey, like what's good out here, man? Like what, <laughs> where's the poisonous animals and where are the berries I can eat? Like you want to have someone with some know-how. The important part of that is being able to recognize the correct guide. And I have more to say on that in another episode, but, um, pivotal family of origin, old stories, new stories, and how to keep the past the past and the present the present. This is so much of the work that we do at weekends is untangling the original and core messages and experiences that we have, recognizing how we've been complicit to protect those memories, to build a life around them, and then what happens when we begin to allow some of those cards to fall and to build newer, more correct, restorative core beliefs in their place. We become sturdy. We become whole. We realize like what's mine and what's not mine. Like what was never true to begin with, but just her opinion. Um, what's what's real and what's an opportunity to explore and what was mine? Where was I actually a part of that story? And that is mine to own and do the work on. It, it's just getting clear. And as soon as you have clarity, you guys, that's when the work really takes off because you know what's yours to work on and what's yours to return to the original owner because it was not yours to carry in the first place. So, um, I don't really, I don't even want to do as much of a postmortem on this because that episode was so much in and of itself. I'm really more curious about your response and like what it was like for you listening to so such a rapid fire um, session. So 
I will see you in the trailer cast community this week. We will talk about primary wounds and family of origin wounds and how to untangle ourselves from that kind of chaotic mess. Um, my thought and invitation to you is going to be, where do you need to step out of somebody else's story and into your own? You have your own um, heroine's journey to go on, and the time is now. Cheers. Thank you for listening to TrailerCast with Elise Snipes. Visit TrailerCast.com to listen to all of our recorded episodes, sign up for Patreon to offer support for the show, and get access to group sessions, extra bonus episodes and content, and our private Instagram account, where we continue to grow the TrailerCast community. Follow Elise on Instagram at EliseSnipes underscore collective, and learn more about her work at EliseSnipes.com. Lastly, we'd love for you to take a moment and review the show on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Cheers, and see you next time. Cheers.